comes from the 14th chapter of John. I invite you to hear these words. Don't be troubled, Jesus says. Trust in God, trust also in me. My father's house has room to spare. If that weren't the case, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When I go to prepare a place for you, I will return and take you to be with me so that where I am, you will be too. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas asked, Lord, we don't know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you have really known me, you will also know the Father. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. That will be enough for us. Jesus replied, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been with you all this time? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I've spoken to you, I don't speak on my own. The Father who dwells in me does his works. Trust me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on account of the works themselves. I assure you that whoever believes in me will do the works I do. They will do even greater works than these because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask for in my name so that the Father can be glorified in the Son. When you ask me for anything in my name, I will do it. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, let the words of my mouth and the thoughts and meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. As Christian people today, many of us, I believe, rightfully have a fear of exclusivity. We understand that a lot of people in our world might view Christians, or at least some branches of Christianity, as as judgmental. And so in order to undo that understanding or to have a better perception in the world, I think sometimes we want to hope and believe that don't all religions, don't all roads lead to the same God? Don't they all kind of get there in the end anyway? And everything in our 21st century selves wants to say, well, yes, of course, But then it's really hard when we read this scripture today where Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life and make sense of what we might hope of as kind of all roads getting to the same place. This was a fitting scripture to fall today on Confirmation Sunday. I didn't magically select it. The lectionary did. And we've been having during our conversations in youth group on Sunday Sunday evenings, um, which Russell and Eric are both part of along with the other students, we've been having a series of of hard conversations and questions, so much so that I believe that it's enlightened the Kate's dinner conversation quite a lot um, during these times, and for that, um, you're welcome. And um, there are two particularly hard questions in the scripture that get presented to us that we have honestly been talking in and around uh, in youth group in the past few weeks, to which I want y'all to say in the congregation, holy cow, they're thinking about that uh, at 15, and, and, and the answer is yes. And, and, I, and I want us to venture into that some together, into that space, not because we're going to perfectly answer the questions that get laid out, but because I think that Jesus has some words for us that will help us a little bit more to understand um, 
what these questions might mean today for us. So the first one is that one that I started you with. How can you say Jesus is the only way to God? That sounds exclusive. Now this question uh, is theologically addressed by a concept, and I don't want your eyes to fade out on me right now, all right? I'm just going to give you a precursor. It's called the scandal of particularity, all right? Can you say that with me? The scandal of particularity, okay? And the, the scandal of particularity, right, simply means this. The story of God, as God has revealed who God is to us, has always been a particular story. Here's what I mean. The story of God that we know of is the God of Israel. When God reveals God's name to Moses with the burning bush going on, you remember this, right? And Moses says, well, tell me your name. I got to go back to them. Who do, who do I tell them that you are? And he says, right, he says, I am what, what is transcribed for us as Yahweh, or I am Adonai, the Lord. And, and, it, and it means I will be who I will be. But then he says, I am the God of your fathers of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He ties himself to this people of Israel from the very beginning. That's who we as people in the Christian tradition understand God to be, right? And this, call, this scandal of particularity, right, it's, it's scandalizing because we recognize that in the call of Abraham, in Genesis 12, God calls Abraham, right? And he says, he says to him, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you a great nation, and all the families of the earth will be blessed because of you. That through this one person, through Abraham, all the families of the earth are somehow going to be blessed. And the story of Israel in the Old Testament, we don't really understand how they're all going to get blessed because Israel, frankly, does a pretty poor job of living it out, right? They, they, they walk with God, then they, they wander back, and, they keep, and, and, and they're never perfectly answering this question. We wonder, how in the world is the world going to be blessed like the promise was to Abraham? And then what happens, right, is that Jesus comes on the scene as not only the Son of God, but also this Son of Israel, who perfectly says yes back to the Father. So all along, how God has revealed God's very self is not generic God, divine God force in the sky. It's this God, this God to this people of Israel. And what's interesting, right, is that in our text today, we have this concept of the way presented. And we, and we, we have often heard 14.6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That's a verse that men, many of us maybe heard growing up or along the way. But before that, right, Jesus tells them, you know the way to the place where I'm going. And Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And then Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? So what they want is like a map, right? They want, they want Jesus to say like, well, do this and do this, and then, and, and then you get to heaven, right? Which is often what, what we want. And then what does Jesus say? Like, no, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. I, the week before, we talked about the sheep and the gate, and, and Jesus is saying, through me is how you will get to the Father. There was no way to the Father, and Jesus opened the way. 
There was no way for us to the Father, and Jesus opened the way. This is the scandal of particularity in action. We think that we want a generic God, like some life force or something, right? I mean, this week we had May 4th, right? And, and, and so I think about Star Wars and kind of like the force or something like that, right? Which is cool. And like there's Christian symbolism and I like the Jedi thing and everything. But, but it's, not, it's not the same as this God who has tied God's very self to the people of Israel and somehow in Jesus we see that embodied. We only know God particularly as the God of Israel, the God who comes to us in Jesus. In his book, Simply Christian, N.T. Wright, who's one of my favorite theologians and writers, he makes this grand statement about what Christianity is all about. And I want you to hear this statement, and, and, and I'm interested in how it resonates with you. Because I think sometimes if someone were to say, well, why do you follow Jesus? Or what is Christianity all about to you? I, I think we might either stumble or we might give an answer that we know is the right one because we were taught it sometime along in Sunday school, but we're not sure if it enlivens us enough. And here's what N.T. Wright says. Christianity is all about the belief that the living God, in the fulfillment of his promises, and as the climax of the story of Israel, right, so as the climax of the story of Israel, has accomplished all this, the finding, the saving, the giving of new life in Jesus. He has done it. With Jesus, God's rescue operation has been put into effect once and for all. A great door has swung open into the cosmos, which can never again be shut. It's the door to the prison where we've been kept chained up. We are offered freedom, freedom to experience God's rescue for ourselves, to go through the open door and explore the new world to which we now have access. In particular, we are all invited, summoned actually, to discover through following Jesus that this new world is indeed a place of justice, spirituality, relationship, and beauty. And that we are not only to enjoy it as such, but to work at bringing it to birth on earth as it is in heaven. In listening to Jesus, we discover whose voice it is that has echoed around the hearts and minds of the human race all along. Now that's a long quote. But I hope, I hope that in those words, you hear the depth and the passion of what is at stake when we talk about following Jesus as the way. That it's not simply well, I follow Jesus as like a get-out-of-hell-free card in some cosmic game of monopoly, right? But instead, it is an invitation into a new and incredible way of life, of justice, of beauty, and that we can work on bringing those things on earth as it is in heaven because that's the very thing that we pray for each and every week together, that that's what it means to follow Jesus, so is it exclusive? Well, yes and no. Yes, God has forever bound God's self to the people of Israel. Like, that's just part of the... The only way we know this God who we are talking about is because God disclosed who God was to Moses in that burning bush and because that God gave his covenant to Abraham. That is the only way we know this God and that this God revealed his very self 
in the person and work of Jesus. So yes, it is exclusive in that God has bound God's self to the people of Israel. And no, it's not exclusive at all because the way is open for all. And through Abraham, we learned all the families of the earth will be blessed. And so the second question comes as Jesus explains who he is to the disciples this morning. Is Jesus his own distinct person? Or how can Jesus be both human and divine? Now, I'm going to let you in on a secret. In the early church for the first three centuries, they were trying to figure this all out. The reason why we have the creeds that we say, the one we said during baptism today, is because they fleshed that all out and they fought almost wars over how in the world they figure out who Jesus is and how this operates. So don't expect me to cover it in seven minutes this morning and really nail it, but... But what I do want you to see is how Jesus shows us in Scripture more about who he is. Because when we think about the Trinity from our own logic, it feels like impossible algebra. Like if I gave you the problem, one equals three, solve for X, and you're saying, what in the heck am I supposed to do? And, and, and there's no way to solve it, and it doesn't really work in our brains. But Jesus drops hints, especially in John, about who he is the God-man. His relationship with the Father is partly understood through these words. So you learned about the scandal of particularity. Listen, I want you to be able to go and show off to some people, or at least say, my pastor's loony. He said these words in front of me. So, uh, so we got the scandal of particularity. Now I want you to talk about this, mutual indwelling, all right? Mutual indwelling. What is he talking about? Jesus says earlier in John, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. And in fact, in verse 10 of our passage today, he says, don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? Now, that's a weird thing to say, right? Like, what does that mean when Jesus says that? The words I have spoken to you, I don't speak on my own. The Father who dwells in me does his works. Jesus says and does the words and actions of God the Father. They are their own persons. They are distinct but where one person is, the other two always are. God is always triune, always in relationship. That's what it means when we say that we believe in God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So then how does Jesus, the God-man, save? I want you to listen to this emphasis. I want you to listen to the emphasis of these words I'm going to say that Robin Perry said. It's, if Christ were not divine, he could not save us. And if Christ were not human, he could not save us. If Christ were not divine, he could not save us. And if Christ were not human, he could not save us. In other words, if, if Christ is not God, he doesn't have the ability to save us. He doesn't have the power. And if Christ wasn't human, well, then we had no capability of being redeemed. And so Jesus, in being the incarnation of God on this earth, does both. He's able to save us. And since God has bound God's very self to Israel, Israel needs to bind herself perfectly back to God. And Jesus is that way. So you might say, thanks for the theology lecture, Pastor. Really great. What does the scandal of particularity and mutual indwelling have to do with my life today? Well, I think it has a lot to do with it. Because in verse 12, Jesus says this to the disciples. 
I assure you that whoever believes in me will do the works I do. They will do even greater works than these because I am going to the Father. Somehow, this promise of Easter into Pentecost is this. Jesus, through the power of Holy Spirit, will empower us to follow him, to do his works. Moody Smith, commentator on John, says this. Jesus is addressing disciples whom he has invited to live in and to live out of the resources of another age. Friends, this is the challenge of being Jesus' followers today in 2023. It's not just about coming here and hearing something nice to live a little bit better and a little bit less selfish of a life. Because here's what I know. That something deep within you is stirring. That when you hear that definition of what following Jesus is about and what it could be about, that it reminds you that there is simply more than what we see going on. Not just here, but in the world. Friends, the first followers of Jesus, all throughout the book of Acts, were known as the way. In other words, those who were practicing what they preached. What if our way of life together showed people the way to God? Does church have this kind of power to be the way? Well, it has before, and it could. Do you want to give it a shot?